Hello everyone, welcome to Racial Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Dr. D. Santis, and we budgeted some time out today, undefinitely intended, to have this podcast. We call it the Frequently Asked Budget Questions here in Richfield Public Schools. Joining me on this podcast is the one, the only, the superintendent of all Richfield Public Schools, Dr. Susie De Silva. Thank you for being on the show today. Uh, Wes, thank you for having me. Right. And, and also joining us today, it's her first time on Richfield Tiger Talk, and hopefully not the last, we're going to have her on a bunch more, is the Director of Finances here for Richfield Public Schools, Jill Brown. Hi, Jill. Hi, Wes. So glad to have both of you on the podcast today. Well, right here, I have my frequently asked questions. We've been getting these through email, through social media connections, through our budget website. Any information that you might want to know about our budget, just go to ridgefield.org. We have a big button on the bottom called Budget Informational Website. I will also be putting all links to these sites in the show description. So if you're listening to this and want to know anything else, just click on the show description and you can get linked to our budget website. But without any further ado, let's kind of get into the, uh, the budget questions. But actually, you know what? Before we do that, why don't we get a quick whistle-stop tour of just kind of the budget process for like two minutes, just to describe where we're at, where we came from, and what's next? Okay, so I'll take that, and I'm going to watch the clock because two minutes feels like it's really fast. But um, <laughs> short version for sure is that um, we connect at um, the district level with obviously everyone that's here at Cabinet. Um, our principals, our department leaders, um, obviously U.S., our teachers uh, share their vision for their departments with their department leaders. And we create a budget pretty early on in the school year. Um, so I would probably say around October. Um, and so within that, we look at past budgets, trends, enrollment, staffing changes, and ultimately have to identify priorities, which makes it um, not that easy. Um, yep. And we had to prioritize the most significant needs, which naturally change the, you know, from year to year. We keep the focus on kids um, and be sure that we're, you know, continuing to keep our district moving forward in a, a purposeful and incremental way. So that's the superintendent's budget. Yeah. Um, and then from the superintendent's budget, it moves. So there's lots of Q&A there. We have our, you know, principals sharing out how each cost center comes together. Um, we may make some additions, we may make some subtractions, and then ultimately the um, budget becomes that of the Board of Education. And they sort of uh, follow a similar process in that then it heads off to um, the Board of Selectmen, who makes a non-binding recommendation after many questions about our budget. And then it heads over to the Board of Finance, who then makes a decision about um, what the budget number is ultimately, and then it goes to a referendum or to the vote. And so the budget never, number can actually never go up, um, but it could actually go down. And so what our hope is, is that um, with a lot of um, discussion and, mm -hmm. and uh, Q&A like this one, the budget stays intact um, as the initial superintendent's proposed budget um, is shared. So that's what we hope for. So there's, of course, lots of opportunities for mm -hmm. public comment to the to all three boards, the Board of Ed, the Board of um, Selectmen, and the Board of Finance interwoven throughout. And actually, this Saturday, which is the fourth, there's also a point in time before the Board of Ed budget vote, I believe about two weeks from when this podcast comes out, where the public can come and make comment to the board. 
Um, actually, I think it's just one week, right? It's when this budget comes out on this podcast comes out on Friday. I think it'll be Saturday, the budget hearing. Yes. Right? Yes. So it'll be out and then we will have it for, uh, for a week from there. Oh, right, the, right, right. the original right. vote. Yep. All right. Great. So uh, let me get to the first burning question. Uh, and again, these questions are compiled from many different data sources that we've been pulling things from. And uh, question one is, how much does it cost to add a teacher to the RPS budget? So I'll kick that over to Jill, but I just want to say that our, our teachers are invaluable. So let me just start there. Yes. And now, agreed. Uh, Jill, why don't you tell us a little bit about how we get to that number? Sure. So in looking at the teachers that we currently employ, we know what our average teacher rate is. And that's about $81,000 and change. So we actually use a step in the teacher contract as a placeholder. Um, but we also add to that a little bit of intel. If it's a hard to fill position, something that's a little bit harder to find, for example, physics, chemistry, French, things like that, we know that we're going to have a higher rate for a teacher like that. They're few and far between, very hard to find. Um, but it's not just the salary that goes into it. There's there's also payroll taxes, FICA and Medicare. That's another 7 or 8%. Um, and then the teacher's fringe benefits, if they participate in our health benefits um, and other fringe benefits that we offer as an employer. And we have to include, again, an average amount for that so that we don't go over our budget. Yeah. So. For each teacher, we really have a placeholder of just over $100,000. So when we talk about can we add here, can we add there, it's a real significant consideration. Um, and as we, as you know, in our budget presentation, all of our staff is just over 60% of our, of our general fund budget. And together with benefits, it's about 78% of the entire budget. So it's really important that we get that part right. And I, I would also... Clarify, and I know this has been said at many board meetings that we also don't hire with budget in mind. We we hire for the best possible candidate. So even though you might say it's really hard to find a physics teacher versus, let's say, an elementary teacher, we're still looking for the best people. Absolutely, so it, Absolutely. I I could not um, I could not. Uh, really share out how important that is, mm -hmm. is that our teachers are what makes the difference for our kids. So we look to hire the most exceptional staff member or someone we believe that has the potential to be with the professional learning and support that they receive by being um, in our school districts. And if you don't get the right person, the right fit for the job, it's going to cost more in the long run anyway. Absolutely. So it's important to hire the right person, hire the best talent, and then retain the best talent. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was question one. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, transportation has been a hot button topic in Ridgefield for many years. Uh, so uh, recently, uh, we have not gone out to bid for our current busing company, First Student. And there's just lots of questions around uh, what does it cost? Can we find efficiencies with the busing? And basically, why are we proceeding forward in the current manner? So I'm, I'm happy to take this question, and Dr. Silva, you can chime in if I leave anything out. Um, I'm, I'm glad that transportation is a hot topic because it's a, it's a big part of our budget. After mm -hmm. staff and um, fringe benefits, it's the next, you know, it's, it's the third largest bucket 
so to speak. Yeah. And we should be looking at that. And we've spent the better part of this year looking for efficiencies and how can we not only find efficiencies with the with the routing and the software that we're using, um, but how can we better serve the community? How can we be more consistent? How can we um, have the most efficient runs so that our kids aren't on the bus for a long time? So we're looking at all those things and we're in a really unique environment right now. Um, as as a director of finance, I love a competitive bid process because yeah. every time we see a competitive bid drive prices down and therefore the community that you're serving, you're getting them mm -hmm. the best possible price. You know, a great example of that is recently we did that last year with our food service. Sure. We had competitive bidding and, you know, we actually moved away from one product to another because the, the prices were just that much lower. Very, very good example. Yeah. What's unique, though, is we're not seeing that happen in the transportation environment. What's happening is um, as transportation contracts are going out to bid, because we've had we've seen such shortages with drivers and other communities. Mm -hmm. Fuel um, costs, insurance costs. Exactly. Yeah. Their overhead costs have gone um, sky high and through the roof. Um, and many communities have had trouble um, keeping enough drivers on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so what's happened is when these contracts have gone out to bid, it's driven the increase up way over the double digits. Um, there's a neighboring community where the, the bids came in at 28%. Wow. And it's, it, it's really, um, it's something I've never seen before. And I've been in this role for a good number of years. So um, what we did was reach out to first student who we have a great relationship with. Um, and, you know, coming from a different community not too long ago, um, I, I have not seen the level of service that Ridgefield has, has been afforded in other communities. Um, you guys did not have the shortage of drivers to the degree that other communities have seen. So yeah. first student has served the community really, really well. So we reached out to them and tried to negotiate without going through that bid price process so that we didn't see our rates driven, you know, double percentages. Um, so we were able to negotiate with first student um, at a four and a half percent rate increase, oh, wow. which I haven't seen any other community that's gone out to bid with the exception of one town. And I believe that was Meriden, um, who's close to us. Every other community has been far, far beyond that. So we have a four and a half percent rate increase this year and four and a quarter percent each year thereafter. Um, and in fact, the, um, the consultant firm that we just had in, Transportation Advisory Services, um, they would have loved to have handled our bid, by the way, because yeah. <laughs> um, that's well, what they do. That's that's a job. Yeah, yeah, it would have been another job for them, but they, they uh, said that we would not find a better deal and, and to yeah. jump on that. So we feel really good, not only about um, working with uh, a, you know, a vendor partner that's treated us so well, um, but we feel really good that, that we did the right thing for the community. Yeah. And just, you know what? oh, sorry, Wes, if, if yeah. I could just add is um, before Jill actually came to Ridgefield, we were already having conversations with our previous um, business manager, uh, Dawn, and um, whether or not we should go to RFP, because it really we did see um, 
a bit of the crystal ball in this particular case with some of the changes that were happening and some of the language in contracts. And we just didn't want to be in that position. And um, much of these discussions obviously can't happen in public. They happen in an executive session because there are negotiations um, alongside our attorneys. But I think it's really it's really important to um, I think to communicate two things is we ended in a really great space for the community of Ridgefield because ultimately we are one community and um, everybody contributes to many different things, whether it's town or um, education. Um, but also I think the other piece of it is we were having, as Jill mentioned, we had great service and, and it's not just, you know, the past couple of years during the pandemic, people are still experiencing um, many challenges Absolutely. in their traditional um, day bus routes that we just haven't. Um, and so, so we're very fortunate on both mm -hmm. sides of that. And, you know, I big thanks to Jill and, and the board of education for moving this along in this way. Also, um, before we move off the topic of transportation, I also want to give a shout out to our transportation manager, uh, Billy Gramajo, who, um, you know, we're talking about this great relationship. He has really taken that to another level. Mm -hmm. um, he's working great with First Student. We're working with them to roll out First View, which is the GPS system so parents can see where the buses are coming mm -hmm. in. We're looking forward to piloting that this spring. And we hope that all families will have access to that as we open up the school year next year. So we've got some really exciting stuff going on with transportation. And it's nice to have fresh eyes on the scene so that, again, we can serve mm -hmm. the community even better. Just, Jill, one, one last piece. And, um, you know, I think a big thanks to Billy Gramajo, who is the new transportation director, and the work that he's done with our vans as um, mm -hmm. Many folks know we have two vans um, ready to go and, and, and moving along with our kids. And we have two um, that I think are in the midst right now of perhaps being on the production line. And what we've really come to, to um, be able to do is the those first two vans found us about $150,000 in savings this past year that obviously over time, you know, it's $150,000 each year. And with these two additional vans and Billy's work on efficiencies with routing and Absolutely. to do that, um, our budget is less 200,000 for fiscal year two, um, 24. So that's 200 plus 150. So $350,000 that we benefit from year after year while those vans are in place and the routing work um, continues to be done in, in a really thoughtful way. And most importantly, um, we just we want to be sure that our parents get the service that they've come to expect and mm -hmm. deserve here in Ridgefield. And we want to be sure that um, that's at, at top of mind as well. So as much as we want efficiencies, we also want to be sure that the service is um, as good as we can as it can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, Billy's been such an amazing uh, addition to the team. And here in the technology department, we definitely love working with him. Um, and it's been a great relationship. But yeah, just to close out what Jill was saying about transportation, you know, it's a, a weird thing when the competitor says, yeah, probably stick with that deal. We can't do that. <laughs> because they know it's just that it's, it's a very strange marketplace that we find ourselves in now. Um, all right, well, let's move on to the next question. Uh, the next question, uh, I guess I can boil down this question to the, the simple question that is, uh, why is RPS currently looking to change its security model? 
Well, I'll start on the big broad and then yeah. Jill can give you the details about the numbers. But big broad is that um, there were two things happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. We were seeing increases in our consulting um, line with respect to the model that we currently have. And at the same time, we were engaged with um, an assessment of our security practices, procedures, infrastructure. And those two things collided at the perfect moment in that the increases, which we were hearing, um, we're not hearing, um, we were learning that we're gonna be about 33% and us evaluating whether or not this is the right security model for RPS and whether or not we value what we have, we decided to really um, think carefully about um, our future goals. And so we went to the Board of Education. Again, much of the conversation around security is done in discussion, in uh, executive session, not in public. For, uh, for reasons I know that the public understands. But we had many of discussions. We brought in um, the group called First Responders Academy that's been doing work with us throughout the year on um, our processes and received their feedback. And as a result, made a shift again because of what we believe is most important when it comes to security. And again, just happened that the timing was right with um, the financial side. What would you add to that, Jill? So I guess I would start by when you when you started the podcast, you talked about budget development begins in October, right? And at that time, uh, the person previously in my position had put about 3% additional onto the budget for our current model of security. Then when we got the renewal, and, and I was in the position, the renewal came in at a 33% increase. So, oh boy. yeah. Right. So that, that was probably our first budget challenge of the current school year. So, of mm. course, we got on the phone with our vendor, and we were able to negotiate that back quite a bit. But, but we're currently over budget in the line because we couldn't, I mean... And again, it's an it's an industry where they're also losing personnel, similar to the bus company. Yep. There there are challenges on that end, and it's it's uh it's hard work, and we respect that and and we value it. Um, so as we as we look to build a new model, we're not just comparing to last year's budget. We're comparing to what would it cost to keep the current model of security, because we know that we're going to face. Um, a much larger increase going into next year. So it's complicated because if you want to compare a budget to budget, we see a budget reduction of 308,000, but really it's a budget reduction of well over 400,000, knowing that those prices are going to increase. So I hope that makes sense to our listeners because it is kind of hard to explain. Um, we've added an additional 503000 for our new security model with a reduction of 308. But again, that reduction is really more than that because we're comparing budget to budget. Yeah, that's yeah, a really that important point. Yeah, sorry, Wes. Yeah. That's a really important point. And I think it can be tricky if you're just looking at the budget book. So great yeah. reminder, Jill. Oh, absolutely. No, it's a great point. Um, well, speaking of the budget in the budget book, a few weeks ago, the superintendent presented the budget to the Board of Education. We even had the Board of Finance there in the audience. We had a big showing from both the, the school staff and the community. Uh, the budget as presented, some might say, leans a little on the conservative side, especially if we compare ourselves to other Duragay schools or just schools within our area. Um, why, why that budget number? And uh, why not more? Why not less? So um, the only thing I'd say, great question, Wes, but I would say that caution and comparisons because yeah. um, 
each of our districts are different places, whether that's, um, you know, resources, um, extra, you know, extra support outside of the operating budget, what's put in the operating budget. Mm -hmm. um, so it is, I do caution in comparisons when it works out to my advantage, of course, I would like to compare, but when it doesn't, I, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what, I, what I would say <laughs> is that uh, while this year it works out, um, future years may not. And I think there is a reality that we also know that it is a challenging year for the town. And we had some opportunities in this budget that we might not have in the future. And so we wanted, we're one community, as I said earlier, and we wanted to be um, as thoughtful uh, around that um, as possible. And so we, again, we had some advantages this year that we might not have in future years. Absolutely. Um, we're not in a position right now that we're negotiating contracts, but that will be, um, we'll be seeing that in the short term. Um, Jill, you can talk about insurance. That was a, a great mm -hmm. um, plus for us. Yeah, I mean, one of our largest budget drivers is something that we don't see, and that's a flat rate of health insurance renewal. Some of the other communities that neighbor us and across the state, again, they're seeing, you know, large increases. Um, I think it was uh, Darianne that had a 7% increase in their health insurance. And if we had that same 7% increase, it would be just over a million dollars. And wow. Because we're roughly $100, $106 million budget right now, every million dollars is a percent increase. So, you know, that's it's it's true that that's a real budget driver. If we don't see that, it allows us to be a little bit more conservative and responsible and be a good partner to the town when they're having some, you know, uh, definite budget challenges this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, another little subtopic within the budget would be uh, pay to participate. That, that seems to be coming up now and again. Uh, do we have any comments on that? Well, we uh, are reducing the um, amount of contribution that would that parents would need to pay for um, next year's budget, fiscal year 24. This is our second go around. Um, we did um, propose this last year and I would encourage um, families to um, go back and listen to, uh, to Dane Street's presentation mm -hmm. from this all day Saturday budget meeting where he describes that and, and other presentations that he's described over a transition away from these fees, um, along with the weight room fees. So uh, again, recognizing that we're one community, we really want to look towards a path to reducing these fees over time um, so that they're again, consumed by the operating budget, but in a way that isn't all at one time, right? And Absolutely. So um, it's important for us. We're hoping that the um, our town bodies see that as well as they're you know, looking at our budget. Um, we're really from our budget to the Board of Ed's budget. But once it gets to that stage, and hopefully it does on the 13th, um, that they consider that as valuable as, as we do, because we really want to be sure that we're thinking about all of the constituents in our community, um, including the, you know, the parents of athletes. Absolutely. And I believe there were some comments. Uh, there Are there hardship waivers available too for Absolutely. those who cannot play? Or... Absolutely. And all that information that Dane talked about will be in the description of this podcast. If you click on the link below in the description, it takes you to the budget driver site. And all you have to do is click on the button where uh, Dane talks about athletics. It's all right there. Easy to find. Um, all right. I guess we're down to the last question. And it really comes down to a lot of people 
they watch maybe the budget subcommittees, they see transfers, they see uh, us trying to navigate the world of inflation that we're in right now. Uh, we've talked about egg prices, uh, which, you know, at the grocery store for a single person is a, is, is a pain, but you can kind of absorb it. But when a school needs to buy for thousands of children, for projects, or for just you know, our own food in the building, let alone just, let's say, family consumer science, these things add up over time. Uh, what are some of the challenges that we've been encountering with the inflationary uh, environment we're in economically? Yeah, Jill can definitely speak to that because what we budgeted last year and what we're facing this year are two very different things. And I, if I can just make one statement before um, Jill speaks to those, those uh inflationary um, costs and the impact on us is, you know, a budget is not a perfect crystal ball. And so as much as we really do try to be thoughtful about our allocations, we recognize that, and I hope that the community recognizes that things happen in the course of a school year. We might find mm -hmm. savings that we didn't anticipate. It's not as common, but um, we might we might find savings that we didn't anticipate. Um, it, and then on the flip side, we actually might find um, some some costs that we didn't anticipate as well, which may mean that we have to make some um, shifts in budget lines. And often that does happen in some of these more unpredictable spaces, um, special education um, and related costs around that. We, we see that um, certainly with utilities, uh, again, something you can't necessarily predict. Um, and on the benefit side, we saw some uh, benefit on the health insurance um, side that we hope to be able to to support the town with at the end mm -hmm. of this fiscal year. So, Jill, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, I mean, let's remember that we're talking about a 3.79% increase. And, you know, 2.5% of that is our bargaining unit obligations to staff, right? Those are contracts that have already been negotiated. Those are, you know, all of our current employees moving along into the next year. Um, energy alone, our electricity and fuel and homeowners will know this because if you've filled your oil tank lately or if you've gotten your uh, Eversource bill, um, that's, that's over a half a percent increase right there. Mm -hmm. Of that 3.79, almost all of that increase is coming from, you know, staff and energy. We talk about busing, it's a tenth of a percent of that increase. So we did yeah. really, really well with that contract. Um, and then we're being good stewards of our facilities and maintaining our buildings mm -hmm. and our grounds and making sure that they last for years to come. So it is a very uh, responsible, thoughtful budget and, and I'm definitely proud of the work that our team has done. You know, Wes, I know you said that was the last question, but if I could, you know, maybe end um, or summarize, um, you know, the a budget, right? And you Absolutely. have a, a team of um, educators and they come from all walks of life in the school, right? Whether it, there are teachers or our department leaders or um, facilities uh, department staff, and they all, they all advise, right? They all give yep. us input over time. Uh, maybe that's not exactly in October, but over the course of the year, what their needs are, what their priorities are, and the things that have to um, happen to continue to grow our district in the way in which we needed to grow. And that, you know, comes with um, professional learning and um, opportunities for teachers to continue to grow as well. But at the end of the day, what we're here to do is to advise um, the community and the Board of Education, right? Here Absolutely. is what we believe is best to continue 
um, to support the mission and vision of the graduate at RPS. Um, and we're educators. This is what we do. Um, we're not many other things, but that is yep. <laughs> what we're, we're, we do and we're good at. Um, and so based on um, how we communicate and advise the Board of Education, ultimately, they, that's how they make decisions. And then the town on the, on the um, financial and hopefully educational side as well, because um, the schools are the hub of any community. And we want to continue to ensure that our schools are the best that they can be and also continue to grow them for the future. Great. Perfect. Well, what a great way to end the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or need more information, you can always go to ridgefield.org. We have the budget website right at the bottom. You'll see it's uh, one of the three, uh, one of the four big buttons at the bottom of the website. Uh, also, if you are interested in participating in this on February 4th at 10 a.m. at East Ridge Middle School in the auditorium, the Board of Education will be there for public hearing. And then after that, a week after that, uh, I believe it is February 13th on a Monday, they'll be voting on the uh, Board of Education's acceptance of the budget. I think that's about it with the show. I just want to let everyone know, if you're listening to this podcast, please, please tell everyone in town to get their favorite podcasting app, whether it's, uh, I don't know, iTunes, Spotify, Android, doesn't matter. We're on everything. Just type in a ridge field. Boom, Tiger Talk is the first one that pops up up there. And uh, yeah, you are in. You're in the Cool Kids Club here at Ridgefield Tiger Talk. I want to thank my two guests, uh, Dr. Susie De Silva and Jill Brown, for taking the time out of their incredibly busy days to talk to us about the budget. So thank you so much. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate being here. It's always fun. Thanks, Wes. Oh, and thank you. And also thank you to our wonderful audience. Uh, this is Dr. D wishing everyone a great week.